Greetings and welcome back, everybody. You're listening to The Decision Hour. I am your host, Adam Bird. I got another one for you today. I'm titling this one Abandoned, and you're going to see why here very, very quickly. My guest this week, I met this guy, I don't know, a couple years ago, I think, now. And uh, we we haven't met face-to-face, but we've been friends on, on social media, and we met through a mutual friend. And he reached out to me recently uh, and shared a project that, that they've worked on and that's that's really kind of coming to you guys here very soon. Uh, so without further ado, I'm going to bring my buddy on, Nick Gray. Nick, how you doing, brother? Doing well, sir. How you doing, man? Good, man. Good. Thanks for uh, for coming on the show, man. Appreciate it. Absolutely. So let's let's dive into before we get into like the meat and potatoes of what we know what we're going to talk about here. I want you to share with my listeners a little bit about yourself, who you are, and and what you do. Sure thing. Yeah. So just a quick um, you know background on myself. Uh, born and raised in Oregon. I uh, got into the franchise industry and the business industry when I was nineteen. And had a pretty good run, and it was about 2004, so I was about 23 or so, that uh, you know the war had been going on for about a year or so in, in Iraq and a few years more in Afghanistan. And I, I remember just sitting there, drinking my morning coffee, having a bagel, getting ready to go to the gym, and I was just watching the war unfold on TV. And I just asked myself, I was going, what the hell am I doing? And so it was that day that I actually went down to the recruiting station and I said, let's talk. And so, you know, I took the ASVAB and did all that stuff. And uh, originally they wanted me to get into going to counterintelligence. Um, and, but, you know, I had an understanding that it was going to be a couple of years of, you know, AIT and all of that stuff. And I just really wanted to do, you know, three or four years and then, and then get out. And, you know, they tried to sell you, I know you can go work for the three letter agencies and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> like, I don't want to do that. Um, and that's probably one of the greatest uh, decisions I've made right. considering the circumstances that we're seeing today. Uh, so I went the exact opposite route and I became a, um, an armored crewman on other terms, a, uh, an operator of the Abrams tank. And so I uh, did that for almost four years, uh, did a hardship tour over in Korea up by the DMZ and then eventually deployed to a, um, Baghdad, Iraq, uh, right before the surge took place. But you know, once we were over there, the surge did happen. So we we're uh, and intimately a part of that. Right. Uh, just doing nighttime operations and uh, you know, convoy security, recon, things of that nature. I wasn't on a tank. I was in a Humvee, sitting outside of the hatch with a 50 cal. Um, some pretty pretty interesting experiences, to say the least. Um, but then did my four years, got out, moved to Colorado and uh, eventually found myself in the, the tech industry. And so I founded a, a software company that specialized in real time location intelligence. So people, places, time events and uh, p- built a pretty you know sizable company, raised about two and a half million in venture capital, ran that for five years. Uh, didn't have the exit that most people hope for. So I never was able to go out there and by my own island and live that dream but uh it was a great experience and it actually gave me the uh the skill sets necessary to be able to uh, lead the organization that i do now and uh, we can talk about that here yeah. in a little bit yeah so what well you you threw the teaser out there what organization are you leading right now yes yeah, so i um am the ceo of us jag 
That's right. And US JAG is a um, it's a nonprofit organization that's been around for 15 years. And the the mission of the organization is to ensure that injured uh, active duty service members are separated with benefits, honors, and dignity. Um, and how we do that, it's always a good question, yeah. is we conduct forensic investigations inside the Department of Defense, interceding prior to discharge between the soldier, primarily also Marines and so forth, and the Department of Defense. And through our investigations... Let me, let me, let yeah. me, I'm going to interrupt you right there. So, Because yeah. I want to make sure that the listeners, like I'm understanding it and, and, and the listeners are understanding this. You're investigating the DOD and what they're and, and how the transition goes for a particular soldier um, or, or Marine, but, but most of the soldiers. It, it, so you're going through and making sure the DOD does the soldier right prior to ETSing. Is that my understanding? Yeah. So let's so I think would be a good thing is to have an understanding as to what that soldier's journey looks like. Yeah. So we can start there. Right. So as we say, soldiers go off to war. Yep. Okay. Many of them come home damaged with traumatic brain injury, PTSD, missing limbs, you name it. What happens there is that the response by the DOD uh, primarily is to put them on medications. This is just an example. Now, those medications will have adverse side effects. Those adverse side effects result into behavioral issues. So when those injured soldiers are in the med board process, the DOD will leverage those behavioral issues, which stem from the drugs that they put them on, hold, holds it against them yep. to where they take them out of the med board process where they should be medically retired, and now what they're doing is giving them a dishonorable discharge, stripping them of their benefits, their honor, and their dignity. And what happens is that they're then thrown into society. Their injuries are not being treated. They have a dishonorable discharge. They can't go for unemployment. They can't get the help that they need. And then they eventually become a statistic. Right. So, Nick, let me... I hear what you're saying, right? But... Like, how often does this really happen? I mean, we, you, you know, me being a vet myself, and yeah, I've, I've probably seen a, you know, a couple of cases o over the years, but like, how often is this really happening? I mean, nobody's, I mean, if it's happening, nobody, certainly nobody's talking about it. So I, I guess my question is, how often is it happening? And then the second part of that question is, is, why doesn't why don't we know about it? Yeah, good question. So the first one is what we have determined is that there are, there are thirty to a hundred cases a day, any given day, that we need to tend to. Now the problem is is that we don't have the resources to take care of those thirty to a hundred cases on a daily basis. Um. Now, you know, sometimes, you know, and, yeah, and I'll just go a little bit further on that. So okay. the next question could be is, well, how did these cases come to us? All right. Yeah. How do these injured soldiers and Marines primarily, how do they know about U.S. JAG and the services that we provide? 
So there's two primary ways that these soldiers come to us. The first is because they don't know where else to turn. And then they start researching on the internet. And we've been featured in a lot of articles, um, you know, with New York times and, um, you know, other outlets, um, you know, that are available. Right. So they come across past stories that we've been involved in. One of our stories uh, actually won a uh, Pulitzer Prize, uh, which landed that journalist to be a part of the New York Times. So that worked out quite well for him. Uh, Name's Dave Phillips, a great guy, good journalist. And so that's you know one route these cases come to us. Um, the other primary uh, way that they make it to our desk essentially is through their spouse through their parents. So a good example is that case we're working right now um, out in the East Coast. I won't give the exact base, but how it came to us was this young soldier, his mom reaching out to us. And the subject line was, please save my son's life. That's pretty, that's deep. Yeah. That's really deep. So the, the, obviously that's a red flag. So from there you move forward or start reaching. But 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 here's the thing: Are you getting a lot of? Uh, I would assume that you're getting pushback and stuff from bases or, or wherever these these uh, soldiers and, and marines are. So how do you guys overcome come that there's this is just is sparking a lot of questions right now like how does how does how do you guys go about and and do this operation if you will to help these soldiers and these marines you have to get creative um you know and, and there's i'm gonna just backtrack one second and just give you the third way that yeah. these cases come to us and it's from actual medical providers within the DOD that are, have, have patients, soldiers yeah. that know what's happening is wrong and they t- instruct them to reach out to us. Now all of it's anonymous, right? but that's another way that we get it. So, you know, to, to your, to your other question is to, you know, how do we, how do we do this? Um, traditionally, uh, we would do a lot of boots on the ground and we would go onto military installations and we would interview soldiers and commanders and first line supervisors and mil- medical providers, uh, behavioral health uh, providers. That got pretty tricky when one base decided to get a restraining order against us to where we could not or no longer enter the military installation because you were calling them out Mm -hmm. because essentially we were holding them accountable. We were, and it's not necessarily holding them accountable. All we're doing is making sure that they're following policy and procedure. That's it. And that is prescribed to them through Congress. Right. And if they, if they didn't have anything to hide, there's no reason for them to put a restraining order on you or your organization. So that just makes it show like they're, they, that they are hiding something and that they're guilty of, of something, mm-hmm. which you and I have known and have seen, I'm sure, in our own personal experiences, yeah. being veterans, that, oh, the military, you know, the government will take care of us when we get, you know, after we ETS. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yeah, sure, <not> yeah. 
Yeah. Good luck with that. So walk me through then. So so you, you mentioned there's there's a base that has a restraining order on you guys. So how do you guys then get create? I'm assuming just email, contact, phone calls, having them come off base. Uh, how does how does all of this you know get put together then? And then what happens? Yeah, I mean, so how do we how do we circumvent the restraining order essentially? Yeah, yeah. So how do we have boots on the ground? Well, uh, pretty simple. We we get resourceful and we have other assets that act as our proxies. Got it. Now, you're saying there was as many as in the excess of 30 to 100 cases a day that this is happening. That I can't even like wrap my mind around that. I see that 30 to 100 cases a day. I see 30 to 100 veterans service members that are transitioning out of the military that are getting screwed over a day. That's how I see that. Is that wrong for me? Am I thinking wrong for, for saying that? No, that's, that's accurate. I mean, it's very, it's very direct Adam. And, uh, <laughs> sometimes that's the best way to go. Well, I, yeah, but listen, the, 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 if you've been listening to this show over the years and you've been following me for yeah. as long as I've been doing this, you guys know that I'm, I'm pretty direct. Um, Nick, let's. I want to. I want to talk about. You have this. First off, thank you for what you're doing, uh, because it's it's very important and it, and it needs to be addressed. Um, let me ask you this: How are you guys bringing aware? Are are you guys bringing awareness to the general public about what's going on? Yes, and and we have in the past. Um, in in many cases. Um, other, but, other than the, I know you mentioned you had, you know, some, um, like New York times and, and, and some articles come out and stuff, but you, you recently have, have been working on something to kind of really not just bring awareness. You're kicking down the door and showing people, boom, this is what's happening. Can mm-hmm. you talk a little bit about what that is? Yeah, exactly. And I think you hit the nail on the head there too, which is, you know, in the past is that you can tell people what is happening all day long, particularly this day and age, but with the short attention spans of people and, you know, social media and and all of that stuff, um, you just can't tell people what is happening. You have to show them. Okay. And the best way to show people what is going on is, at least in our situation, is the testimonials of our clients. Having them speak directly to the American people as to what they went through. And not only what they went through, but how it's affected not only them, but their family, and ultimately it also affects their community. Um, So, you know, one of the things that I learned with my previous software company was just that you can't tell people what, what they want. You have to show them, right. You have to identify that pain point. And so when I took over us Jag, when I was asked to take it over a couple of years ago, I spent six months doing an entire audit of the organization, going through past case files, speaking with past clients and current clients, a journalist that we've worked with throughout the years. And then also our confidential informants with inside the Department of Defense itself. 
one, once I got through that six month audit, I felt as if I just got done reading a spy novel. It was disturbing as to why they're doing this, how they're doing it, and then what they're doing to individuals who speak up. And I remember driving home and I got home and I, I was, I had to, I had to speak to somebody. I talked to my wife and I was just going, this is nuts. Like what the hell is going on here? Right. And so I, I spent some time trying to figure out, okay, so, you know, what have we done in the past that's worked and what hasn't worked and ultimately what needs to happen in order for us to put an end to this? Because a part of what U.S. Jack has done in the past is we've worked with Congress to get legislation passed okay. to prevent these um, nefarious activities of the Department of Defense to circumvent Congress um, to continue these abusive discharge practices. And while they have helped in some cases, the issue is, is that the DOD itself is policing themselves. Nobody is holding them accountable to make sure that they're following both policy and procedure. Right. So, so it's easy only, for them to just kind of like sweep exactly, it under the rug. Exactly. So the only way for us to, um, to put an end to this, and I wouldn't say a hundred percent, cause there's always going to be that one or 2% people oh, yeah, fall cracks and things of that nature. Um, the, you know, there's, is to have third-party oversight established over the entire discharge process, process, should I say. And that's a tall order because the DOD is going to have tremendous pushback. Um, they're not going to want to have it happen. And Congress is not willingly going to do that because they're going to feel pressure, not only from the DOD, but also from some of their biggest donors, which just happened to be the defense contractors. Okay. So the only way to get Congress to do the right thing, even though it's against their own interest, self-interest, should I say, but that's a whole nother story is through public pressure, right? Fear them losing their jobs. The only way for public pressure to take place is through public awareness. So the question then becomes, how do we create public awareness? And there was many different ways that we could have gone about that. And the ultimate decision was to create a documentary exposing the abusive discharge practices by the Department of Defense, having clients tell their story, having journalists tell their stories, having confidential informants going on the record as to what they are seeing in real time. All right. So let me, let me jump in here, Nick, real quick. Cause yeah. you, you just covered a lot there and I want to go back cause you're talking about the DOD, you know, policing themselves and, and, and Congress trying to get involved. But we all know that the DOD and Congress look out for themselves. There's, that's, that's no secret. Yeah. So, that being said, now you made a really great point, and I'm glad you did, is in order for things to change, it's going to have to be public pressure, right? Mm -hmm. The problem, and I say that very loosely, the problem I see, and I'd love your input on this, is you start doing public pressure, does that, not to sound conspiracy theorist or anything, but does that put, 
by putting pressure on Congress and the DOD from the public, does that put people in potential harm's way when Congress and the DOD doesn't like what people are saying? 100%. Yeah, 100%. And we feel that uh, from a personal side, um, won't go into too many details as to what we've experienced uh, throughout the years. Um, but uh, also being, for lack of a better word, censored and right. yeah. deplatformed well, in, in some cases. You have nowadays, Nick, as you know, you got these fact checkers, right? Yeah. We all love them since the pandemic started a couple of years ago. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, social media decides that we need fact checkers, which basically means the the powers to be doesn't don't, they don't like what you're saying so they're going to come in and 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 fact check you and and what you could be saying is 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 right and and factual but they're going to tell you that it's wrong because they have a certain narrative that that they need to meet nick have in in doing first off this documentary that you that you are doing and have done let the listeners know what's it called and and when can they expect to see it? Sure. Yeah, that's great. So the documentary is is titled Abandon, um, appropriately. Yes. Um, and there's a few different reasons as to why we chose that name. And I think it'll make sense here in a second. But that the official preview trailer of Abandon is going live to the general public on August 30th, which also uh, runs or land, should I say, on the one-year anniversary of the fall of Afghanistan. I mean, I know that some people equated that to last week, but really the 30th is when the last boots um, left the left country. Okay. So that's happening, uh, being launched on August 30th. And here's the important thing, too, is that it is being run in parallel with a crowdfunding campaign. And part of the reason as to why we're doing the crowdfunding campaign with this is because it's a great litmus test for us to gauge how well our messaging is being received. Mm -hmm. Because whether somebody donates or contributes $10 or $10,000, doesn't really matter. It has, that message has impacted them in some, in some way. Right. And so that's going to give us a really good gauge as to how well this is resonating with the American people. Because if the American people do not embrace this and do not ask for accountability, then nothing is going to change. These men and women are going to continue to be casualties. And then they eventually end up being a part of your community's problem. And that, that sounds terrible, but it's basically a death sentence that you give somebody. How long have we had a problem, Nick, with transitioning out of the military? Well, I mean, I think it's been, I mean, I think it's gone, gone on in, you know, military warfare probably since, you know, mankind has existed, right. but from, you know, present day, uh, you know, it was somewhat prevalent after world war two. Uh, one of the big things is that, you know, they, they came back on ships, so they had three weeks to decompress. Right. right. Um, but once you really reached, uh, you know, Vietnam, yeah, that that's it was, really you were in the jungle two days later, you're on your couch at home. Yeah. And that's really where the problem started because right. if you send somebody to war, you train a soldier, you have to rewire their brain to take a human life. Right. There is no way to, to, to undo that. Right. Um, so we do not, 
I'm aware of. Yeah, no. And you hit you. That's a very valid point right there. We, we I've talked about transition in the past and past episodes, folks. And, and even with like my transition, it was like, okay, you're getting out. Here you go. Best of luck to you. And it was like, poof. Like the next day you wake up, you're like, oh, I got to find something else to do. Or I got to do this. I got to do that. Like there, there was no transition at all. It was like battlefield, courtroom, new job, all within, yeah. you know, nine months. And you're just like, what the hell just happened? Right. And, and on top of it, mostly I was a single, single parent at the time too. So it was like throwing, throwing a child in there and you're trying to figure out what's going on. <laughs> and I was, you know, so abandon bringing awareness to what's going on with our service members that are trying to transition out and what's what's really it's it's shining the light on what's really happening to people as they transition out with the DOD or basically with what what our government is doing to our service members yes Correct. Yeah. I mean, so it is a story about injured active duty service members. I think that's a very critical point to make. You know, it's a story detailing what happens to them before leaving the military. That's a critical distinction that people need to understand. Yeah. Because if you, once again, you know, if you look at a lot of the problems that are in the veteran community with incarceration, crime, drugs, suicide, spousal abuse, I mean, you, you name it. You have to figure out how do those individuals get into that situation. So if another way to look at it is abandon is truly highlighting the root cause, the actual root cause, right. many of the problems that are out there. Yeah. Uh, within the veteran community. So, you know, we are not a, a, a nonprofit organization that serves the veteran community. We have partners that can help people that come to us, but our core competency, what we do, we exclusively focus on the active duty side of the DOD. And for the listeners out there, Nick, that, that, that are listening to this right now and they, they either want to get involved or, or, Maybe, unfortunately, they are going through something themselves right now and they want to reach out. How can they reach out to you? Yes. So if you, uh, generally speaking, want to learn more about USJAG, whatever it may be, usjag.org, it's easy enough. Go to the website and there's a contact form. Um, if you are a service member that is active duty and you are in a situation to where you feel you are being wronged, you reach out to us and we will get back to you within the same day. Yeah. I I love it. Um, I don't love it. I love the fact that somebody's out there in an organization such as USJAG and my, my friend Nick here is, is out there making a difference for our service members that are being screwed over, quite frankly. Yeah. Um, Nick, what else do you want the listeners to know? Quite a bit. Let's <laughs> Quite a bit. Bring it. But yeah, the one thing that I would say, and I was thinking about this actually this morning at the gym, and it stemmed from a conversation I had a couple of days ago with somebody. But, you know, this, my title on this might be executive producer. So people would associate that being my film. But the reality is that this is not 
just my film. Mm -hmm. This is our film, the military community. This is, this is ours. I mean, this is yours, Adam. Um, it's everybody that we served with, uh, all of our brothers and sisters, you know, this is, these are our voices. And I think people really need to understand that. Because if the, mil- the military community does not take care of its own, then quite frankly, nobody's going to take care of them. I'm going to go as far as to say is August 30th, when this comes out, the launch of this, August 30th, did I get that date right? Yeah, I believe. Yeah. Yes. We have an obligation to share this. And, mm-hmm. to, and we need to spread this out like a wildfire. We, we, we have it. You, the listeners, that if you're listening to this right now, you have an obligation to on August 30th when, and we're going to share it. We're, we're, we'll, we'll certainly post it on the decision hour page as well as heroes media group on the, on our home network page. We're going to blast it out. It has to be shared. It, it, it needs to be. Um, Oh, I just had another question. I just lost it here. Um, that being said, let me ask you this, Nick, you're on, you're on a show called the decision. Oh, Oh, I just remembered. Let me, let me back up here. How long? Right. How long did it take for you to put this documentary together? How, how you know some people are like oh we just do this together blah, blah blah. Some say it's taken years to put together. So when did you guys start filming the documentary? How long did it take for you guys to produce this and get it get it done? Yeah, that that's a great question. So it it I mean the short answer is it took about eighteen months. Wow, um, just to get the script written. And because, yeah. And, and the thing is, is that, you know, I kept going through iterations and I actually had a conversation originally with a guy that used to work on Saturday, Saturday night live. And I was talking with him about you know, different things that I was thinking about doing. And he just said, let me introduce you to a friend of mine that, you know, has an, uh, you know, a studio. It's like, okay. So I linked up with him. His name is Josh Parlay. He's the executive director of the, of the, uh, the documentary, great guy, absolutely amazing, extremely talented too. And we just started just going through iterations and trying to figure it out and you know, this, the different angles and what's that spine going to look like? What's the hook? And nothing was sticking. And then two things happened. The first was Afghanistan. When I was sitting there watching it, I, I just, I, I was just blown away, absolutely blown away. And I started to think about, man, this seems pretty eerily similar to Vietnam. And then things started clicking with me. And then another thing happened, which was a case that came to us and it was a Marine and our forensic investigations took us all the way back to Syria in 2017. And what happened over there, what the Marine Corps did, not only to this Marine, but to hundreds of Marines, added another layer to the script. And then the final thing that happened and I said, okay, this is it, was when the war drum started to be pounded with Russia and Ukraine. And 
it from there it just it tied it all together to me and it, and i don't want to you know speak too much because i don't want to give too much away i want right. to watch everything but i didn't have it figured out there right there right then in the moment but i knew that i had the spine and i just needed to figure out how to thread the needle man folks if you're listening to this you need to go to usjag.org you need to get ready cuz by the time you hear this it's just before august 30th which is is uh, next week or if if you're listening to this and it's past august 30th then go find this and and share it watch it share it Tell your family members about it. Tell your friends. Tell your coworkers, and ask everybody to blast this out. This is information that needs to be this 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 documentary is going to be life changing, life changing. Nick, you're on a show called The Decision Hour, and I appreciate everything that you've said so far. I ask this question to all my guests. Name a time in your life where your feet are on the line and you had to make that decision. What was it? And what was the atmosphere like? Ooh, that's a hell of a question. Um, oh, you know, I would say that, I mean, there's so many things, particularly in war and just, you know, life in general. But I truly believe it was the decision that I made to go forward with this project because I knew what the fallout was going to be. You know, I had to have a, a conversation with my wife that was simply our lives are going to change forever. And this is going to piss a lot of people off. Right. Um, I told my CPA, Make sure the books are good because we're going to get audited. Um, and I can pretty much guarantee that's going to happen. Um, you know, I've had people that have said who have actually been a part of the, uh, the focus group that have seen the trailer already. And some people have said, have you thought about your personal safety? Ooh. And, th- and that's not coming from people that are not in the know. Right. Um, and, but you know, the thing is, is that, you know, what does that look like? You know, I mean, is it black SUVs pulling up to my house or is it just being harassed by the IRS or is it being doxxed or things of that nature? You know, I have no idea, but here's the reality is that the, the reason as to why I made this decision, not only to take over us Jag, but also to produce this documentary is because if I sat on the knowledge that I have, then I would be the dishonorable one. Just as guilty as them. Exactly. Amen, brother. Amen. Yeah. God bless you, Nick, for for, for doing this, man. Seriously. Appreciate it, Adam. It's it's you know, you you always have it and you know this. I'm gonna say it again so the listeners can hold me accountable to this as as uh as well. But you always got an open mic here, man. You know that. Absolutely. Um, listen, folks, we're out of time, 
this isn't going to be the last time you hear from Nick about Nick and uh, U.S. Jag and Abandon. August thirtieth, it's coming out. Make sure you guys get ready because we want we're gonna we're gonna spread this like a wildfire and get this in the, every home in America. That's the goal. That's all the time I got today, folks. Appreciate you guys listening. Uh, make sure you go check out all the other great shows over at our parent network, Heroes Media Group. Simply go to heroesmediagroup.com. Until next time, you've been listening to The Decision Hour.